0: The Apostle Paul has described to us that most excellent way, the best way to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit rightly in line with their purpose in love for love. And the Apostle made clear in the beginning of this chapter that without love, it's useless. Without love, the greatest, the most impressive special gifts, the deepest knowledge of the things of God, The greatest acts of sacrifice they are zero. They're meaningless without love. Now this morning, we have four young people who will stand before the congregation and the Lord to profess publicly their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the years that the Lord has been working in their lives, they have deepened in their knowledge of God and the word of God and the doctrine of the word of God. And they make today a public commitment to deny themselves, to take up their cross and to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And this deep commitment to knowing God even more and to doing even more things for God only has meaning in the context of love. Because being a Christian is more than just reciting by rote the true doctrines and passing a test on it. But being a Christian is to know God, to know the special gift of God's love poured into your heart, to know what it means to be loved by God in Christ, to know what it means to say, Lord, Your love has changed me, and I am ready to give everything up, even life itself, out of love for you. Love is the character of God, and love describes the character of God's family, God's children. And so we saw last time that love is patient. And that word describes the long-suffering of God, that he is slow to anger, that he holds off on judgment because he wants to give room for repentance. And so true love does not accept who we are. True love desires that we be transformed and changed into who we were created to be. That's true love. Now, that first word of our text was like a bucket of cold water, because if that's the kind of love we're supposed to know and live, how can we? We sin against God. We sin against each other in so many ways. And when we are sinned against that incites in us a natural desire for vengeance, for satisfaction, for punishment. We, we see people that are in sin against God or against ourselves, and we say they've got to suffer the consequences of their error. And we are quick to demand that others pay, and we are slow to seek in love the repentance of our brother, especially when the sin is against us. That's really hard to deal with. Who amongst us, starting with the person in the pulpit, who amongst us can suffer mistreatment and seek reconciliation instead of vengeance? Now, you remember Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount where the Lord Jesus instructed us similar things. He says, if you're going to worship, and you realize that there is brokenness in the relationship between you and your brother, you and your sister, and you have not done everything in your power to seek healing, to seek restoration, to seek reconciliation, then your worship is a great big zero. And so you've got to stop. Do not proceed. Leave your gift there before the altar. Go back and deal with it. The Bible tells us that if you know God's love, then you are compelled to love. You can't not love if you know the love of God. John writes this in his first Letter, chapter 4, verse 20, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother We love because he first loved us. That's how you can tell if someone's a Christian, if the love of God dwells in them. And so this word patient is a glorious word in this first word of the description. But we have to understand, as we saw last time, that it's not patient in the sense of looking Uh, The other way, when there is sin, of sweeping sin under the rug, of pretending everything's okay. That's not what the scripture teaches at all. But the patient love of God and the patient love which he requires and gives to us is that love which is willing to take whatever time and effort is necessary to deal with sin. The only way that sin can be dealt with, that it is acknowledged, that it is exposed, that it is confessed, that it is repented of, and that it is washed away in the blood of Jesus Christ. So love is patient, now love is kind, and this is the word we're gonna concentrate on this morning. Love is kind. Now, there is a false, fake kind of love. It's a love which is unkind. It is a love which is always demanding. If she really loved me, she would do this or do that. And when someone doesn't speak or act or think according to the expectations that we have created in our minds, then we conclude that they don't really love us. And this is one of the greatest destroyers of relationships, unfulfilled expectations. We have this whole set of things in our mind. If they really loved me, they would do this, they would say that. The other person often doesn't even know what that list is, but they keep failing, and we keep getting disappointed. It destroys relationships. And this this false love is unkind. It it crushes. John Steinbeck's story of mice and men describes a mentally deficient man who has a great strength, strength that he doesn't even realize he has. And, and he loves cute little things. And he, and he loves to pet the cute little puppy because it's so soft. But he, as he tries to love this little puppy, he ends up crushing it and killing it. And that's what unkind love does. There are many who do not have the excuse that they are mentally deficient. They're in their right minds, and yet they choose to crush their loved ones in love. Whether it's their girlfriend or boyfriend, their spouse, their children, they manipulate them through guilt. They say, if you love me, then you have to do this. They seek to control them. They hem them in. They oppress them, and then when it goes wrong, they blame them. I'm just trying to love you. If only you would live up to my expectations and fulfill my desires and do what I want and let me use you for my intents and desires, then all would be well. That's a very toxic and destructive, false kind of love. And if you're beginning a relationship or ever in the future you begin a relationship with someone who you see and perceive to be telling you what to do and trying to control you, then you need to run very quickly and very far in the opposite direction. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter because that is not love. God's love, divine love, true love, love which is the first fruit of the work of the Spirit in God's children is kind. That means it seeks the good of the other. It seeks the welfare of the other. It is not a heavy burden of demands and expectations. True love is kind. It does not take, but it gives. It does not enslave. It liberates. It does not crush down, but it lifts up. And we have a beautiful window into this truth if we turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11 verse 29. Now, you know this text very well, Matthew eleven twenty nine and 30, where the Lord Jesus says the following. He's just said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, here it is right here in verse 30. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. See that word easy there in the ESV? That's the word that we have in our text as kind. My yoke is easy. My yoke is kind. My yoke is loving and benevolent. It seeks your good. That's what my yoke is. Now we hear that every Sunday, don't we? As we hear the 10 commandments at the beginning of worship and God, before he gives us those commandments, he reminds us of who he is and what he has done for us. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You were, you were slaves. You were in bondage. You were oppressed. I have brought you out into freedom and this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like to live in the freedom for which I have set you free. And if that was true in the Old Testament already, how much more for New Testament believers? Because Christ has kept the law perfectly for us. And so the love of God doesn't come to us with all kinds of demands and burdens and pressures and crushing guilt. He doesn't come to us every Sunday and say, Oh, you're not good enough. You're messing up and, and you don't match up to the standards that I have. That's part of it. He describes that's what we are in ourselves, but he always leads us to Christ and he reminds us, This is who you are. This is what you have done perfectly in Christ Jesus. And so... God doesn't come to us every Sunday with a love which demands and crushes. He comes to us with the love of Christ. He lavishes his love upon us in Christ. He pours it into our hearts. And he doesn't take and take and take. He gives and gives and gives. In fact, he gives himself. And that generous, giving, kind love of God changes us. It changes who we are. It changes how we act to one another. And you saw there in the end of our reading, Ephesians chapter four, verse 32, we just read it. Be kind to one another, same word as our text. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Imagine what our families, our relationships, imagine what our congregation would be like if that's all we did. If we stopped demanding and we started giving. If we stopped practicing unkind love and started practicing kind love, the kind of love that comes from God, that is tender hearted and forgiving as God in Christ forgave us. Now, This love of God, this kind love of God is so powerful, so transforming that it doesn't just change the way we act with one another in God's people. It changes the way we act with anyone who mistreats us or hurts us or takes advantage of us. And you remember what the Lord Jesus Christ taught. It's there in Luke chapter 6 verse 35. He says, but love your enemies, and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the most high, for he is kind. Same word. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. That's quite some power to have the power of the loving of God in us that we can be like him, kind even to those who are ungrateful. And evil, expecting nothing in return. How often do we have it where we, we love and we love and we love and we, and we give and we give and we give and we say, okay, that's it. I'm not getting anything back. It's a waste of time. You don't deserve it. I've invested enough in you. That's not what God teaches us, that's not the love of God. The love of God is generous. It is unconditional. You see, sinful man loves if he gets something out of it. I treat you good if you treat me good. And if you mistreat me, I will mistreat you. I give, and I demand something back. And so, at best, you get a 50-50 arrangement where... I give a little bit and you give a little bit and everybody usually ends up disappointed and feeling ripped off. And and you have that sometimes in relationships. Sometimes you have that between a husband and a wife where they're keeping record. Maybe not in a piece of paper, but I I did this for her and she didn't do that for me and I think I'm ahead. I've been doing more for her than she's been doing for me. That, That kind of love destroys. Look at all the things I've done for you. Look at how much you owe me. Look how little you've given back to me. The agony of unfulfilled expectations, conflicts, brokenness, and wars between people and between peoples are based on this twisted idea of love because unkind love builds a cage. It traps, it enslaves, because it takes and takes and takes and demands and demands and demands, and it kills hope and it kills joy and it kills happiness. But true love, the love of God, sets free. It gives and it gives and it gives. Expecting nothing in return, For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave his only begotten son. God so loved the world that he gave himself and he smashed the cage and he said to us, be free, be who I have created you to be. That is the character of true love. You know, the world tells us love is love, and that means that you just accept people exactly the way they are, and no matter what they do. That's not love. True love, the love of God, does not accept who people are in their sin. It is patient. It is long-suffering. It is willing to go to any length and pay any price and make any sacrifice to help others become what God has created them to be it does not demand does not exploit doesn't subjugate it doesn't crush it doesn't take for its own pleasure its own desires its own ambitions but it gives it invests and it pours itself out in a desire that the other would flourish and live freely in the love of god that's what god did In Christ, he poured himself out, even unto death. He poured his love, he poured himself into our hearts. While we were yet enemies, he loved us. And the more his love pours over us and into us, the more the filth and the dirt and the pollution of sin in our hearts and souls and lives is dislodged and gets flushed out of us. You remember that picture I gave you a few Sundays ago of a glass of water and all kinds of dirt and little bits and pieces of filth in it. And if you try to scoop them out, you just, you never get it clean and, and you throw out a lot of water as well. But, but if you just pour pure water into that glass and keep pouring, all the filth eventually gets dislodged and, and flushed out. That's what God's love does to us as he pours it into our hearts and souls and lives. God is teaching us this morning, that is my kind of love. This is what I do. This is how I change people. I did it to my enemies. I did it to you. It's the kind of love that transforms It has changed you from my enemy into my beloved child. And now, my son, my daughter, you get to be different. You get to be like me, to be like your Father in heaven, to be like children of the Most High, to know a love which is patient and kind, pouring yourself out for others, as Christ has poured himself out for you. You know, if we're supposed to do that even for our enemies, how much more are we not supposed to do that for our brothers and sisters in the church, or for our classmates at school, or for our family at home, or for our wife, our husband, our parents, and our children? Can you say that to your wife, to your husband? You say, honey, wouldn't you agree that you and me, we've got a godly kind of love, a love which each one of us is pouring themselves out 100% so that we've got a 200% marriage that holds true not only for the relationship of marriage, but for every relationship between God's people. Now, if you have that kind of love, where did you get it from? And if you don't have that kind of love, where are you going to find it? Well, the Bible teaches us, as always, that it's a gift. First letter of John, chapter 3, verse 1, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. It's a gift, it comes from him. And Romans 5, 5, which I've been citing and repeating so many times recently, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It's a gift. You can't buy it. You can't work to get it. You can't try real hard to emulate its effects. You need to receive it in faith and by faith. That is the still more excellent way. This is the work and the fruit of the Spirit of God in us. This is what it means to be a Christian, to be filled with the love of God, to overflow with the love of God, that love which is patient and kind. Now, these young people today, they know all kinds of things about God and about the Bible, about the doctrines of the faith. And they have already done and they want to do all kinds of great things for God in their lives. And that's beautiful. And the reason it's beautiful is not because of the things they know and the things they do and the things they're going to know and the things they're going to do. But the reason it is beautiful is because God has loved them. From eternity, in Christ, and he has set his covenant love upon them in baptism. It is marked on their foreheads with a mark which can never be erased. And he has shown them his love in his word and in the sacraments. And he has spoken his love into their lives through their parents and through the church and through Christian teachers and Christian friends. And now today they're going to stand up before God and the congregation. And they're going to say, God has captivated me with his love. And his love has changed my heart. His love has set me free. His love allows me to be who he has created me to be. His infinite love has given me great and precious promises. He has promised himself to me. He has promised me constant love. He has promised to wash away my sins. He has promised to show me the way to go and to lead me along it. He has taught me that all his paths are love and mercy and never-ending faithfulness. God has given me the spirit of power so that I can love like he loves. God is love. God loves me. And today I stand before him and the church, and I testify, I love him with all my heart. Amen.